welcome to The World in 30 Minutes, the podcast on the events, policies and ideas that will shape the world from the European Council on Foreign Relations. My name is Mark Leonard and this week we are going to be doing the greatest podcast of the year. It's our traditional New Year's episode where we look back at the predictions that we were brave or stupid enough to make at the beginning of the last year and also get out our crystal balls to try and understand what we're going to see in the brave new world of 2021. In order to do this, I am absolutely thrilled to welcome back Jeremy Shapiro, the research director at ECFR. Even though he's meant to be on sabbatical for the next few months, he couldn't stay away from this annual self process of self-flagellation and self-congratulation. So Jeremy, uh, I hope you had a good break. Thank you very much for, for joining us. Why don't we start with last year? How did we do? Well, last year, I think, was both an exercise in uh, humility and uh, creative accounting in order to get our predictions right. I think the essence of it is that we missed the coronavirus, and missing the coronavirus is essentially like uh, missing that the Titanic was sinking, but then taking credit for getting the menu right on the last night or something. So we, I don't think we did all that well in the general scheme of things, but I think we're going to be able to pretend that we did, and that's the key thing. So let's jump right into our predictions for 2020. We gave ourselves points ranging from zero, which meant that our prediction was completely false, to one, which meant we were completely right. And then sometimes we gave ourselves a half a point when we just needed the ego boost uh, and we felt we were sort of right. So the first prediction was Trump wins re-election but loses the popular vote by a bigger margin than in 2016. So, you know, according to Trump, we got this prediction right. According to the rest of the world, we didn't. But it is, even by the rest of the world's light, he did lose the popular vote by a bigger margin than in 2016, but failed to win re-election. Again, I'm going to attribute that to the coronavirus. So we gave ourselves a half a point. Okay. Well, the second one, I think, is easier to claim credit for. We said that the EU would decouple from US policy on the Middle East and North Africa. And I think if you look at European policies on Israel-Palestine, on Iran, on a whole series of other issues. We, I think, are fully justified in taking 100% of the points for that one. The third prediction was that the US would neglect its alliance with Taiwan. We saw that there were thinking that the, uh, the effort to create a trade deal with China would end up making Taiwan sort of a pawn. There wasn't a trade deal with China uh, or anyone of any significance. And to the contrary, the U.S. upped its alliance with Taiwan just in the last couple of weeks. It allowed new contacts with Taiwan. Uh, so this one is a zero, I'm afraid. All right. We did slightly better on the next one. We predicted that Putin would attend the G7 in the United States. Obviously, he didn't. So to the naysayers, people would say we shouldn't get any points for it. However, what was pretty amazing was that Donald Trump actually invited him to, to come to the G7 in the U.S., and um, if it wasn't for the coronavirus, if the meeting had happened, then he'd quite likely have been there. Whether anyone else would have come is something for historians to argue about. But I think we should get at least half a point for that. The next one was that uh, Zelensky moves ahead of Europe in resolving the Donbass conflict. This definitely didn't happen. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a little bit hard to know why. But I think, again, the coronavirus still uh, moved the Donbass crisis so far out of the 
priorities that Zelensky didn't even have many opportunities to move forward. And this was very quiet. This is a very quiet front in international relations in the last year. So the next prediction was that the European Green Deal would become the new refugee crisis. What we predicted was that the plans for a kind of big European fund for a green recovery would become a divisive issue between East and West Europe. And that certainly happened to an extent. There were other reasons for the divides as well around rule of law mechanisms. And, and um, it's also, I think, too early to fully call this one because uh, the money hasn't been spent yet and Europeans still don't fully agree on these issues. So maybe we give ourselves half a point for that. The next one is that succession was going to become a dominant theme in Russia, Turkey and the United States. It seems like it really only did in the United States, which was a pretty easy prediction. So probably we only deserve one third of a point on this, but we don't have a third of a point and we need the help. So we're rounding up and giving ourselves a half a point. And it was a pretty big issue in Germany as well. So maybe we should get an extra little bit because of the, the German situation. Sure. We didn't mention Germany last year, but that seems totally fair to me. <laughs> Excellent. It's always good to have these tough external examiners for, for our uh, annual uh, yeah. reckoning. So our next one was a really easy one, though. We said that the US-China trade war would spread to areas such as financial services and information technology. And boy, were we right about that one, as the execs at TikTok will tell you. The next one, I think, was similarly a hit. We said that data rules would become the new GMOs in a global contest to set standards. And we saw huge conflict over uh, data rules, particularly between the US and the EU and when the uh, ECJ invalidated the privacy shield over the summer. But over a whole host of issues, it's very clear that the regulation of data is becoming the, the key standards fight in the global system. And then our 10th prediction was that protest movements would become more disruptive. Now, I think we were on track to, to get our point anyway, but the events of the, the last few days in Washington, I think, have definitely taken us over the line. So we'll, we'll take a point for that. Yeah, we should probably try to take a point and a half for that, but I don't think that's actually possible. The bonus prediction we made, which is the sort of, which is where we try to make a more outlandish prediction was that the UK fails to complete a trade deal with the EU, but no one cares very much. You know, it's interesting, when I, went, when I went back to look at the predictions, I could have sworn I predicted the opposite. I think what we were looking for there was not exactly that the UK fails to complete a trade deal with the EU, but that most of the issues get kicked down the road, uh, which arguably is what happened. But in fact, there was a trade deal. So it's mostly wrong. But we're going to give ourselves 0.5, although we don't, we don't include the bonus in our totals. So what that means is that we got a little bit of cockeyed looking at it, some very favorable rounding and uh, some uh, massaging of the numbers. We got six out of 10, again, while missing the coronavirus, but we'll take it. So if we take the coronavirus into account, we probably have minus 11 or something, which is our worst yeah. score ever. But we'll still take that as a triumph because we're alive and we can do our predictions for 2021. Which yeah, not in person, exciting. apparently, but we can do them. <laughs> all right, Jeremy. So why don't you lead us into the, the bold new future, which we're all, uh, which everyone's waiting for. What's your first prediction for 2021? Yeah, our first prediction for 2021 is that Biden fails to usher in a period of bipartisan comedy in Washington. And in fact, that impeachment will be the last act of bipartisanship in 2020. This seems like a fairly easy prediction, but in fact, Biden is working very hard and he's made the point that he thinks Washington can be much more bipartisan. And 
Interestingly, the events of January 6th at the Capitol have increased bipartisanship, at least temporarily. But we have faith in Mitch McConnell and we have faith in the Republicans' desire to make sure that this presidency doesn't succeed. So we see no increase in bipartisanship. So our second prediction is that the European Union is going to step up its struggle with Poland and Hungary and gain some concessions on rule of law issues. Our thinking is that both the Polish and the Hungarian governments were very close to Donald Trump. They felt that they had history on their side in the last few years as populism was rising around the world and illiberal democracy was the new thing. And now they are going to feel much more isolated as if history's on, on the other side. I think they'll get pressure from Washington. And there's certainly a lot of appetite in Berlin and in Paris and in countries like the Netherlands to, to stand up to them. And uh, they could have quite a tough time. Our third prediction is that the U.S. and Iran failed to return to the Iran deal or negotiate a successor deal in 2021, but the effort continues. The secret to the prediction business is always to predict that a process will not end because processes almost never end. And I think that the domestic politics in U.S. and in both the U.S. and Iran are so harsh on the Iran deal that it will take them more than a year and maybe forever to get a return to the Iran deal. Our fourth prediction is that China is going to tone down its wolf warrior stance and begin a new charm offensive with Europe and America focused on climate issues. And I think this is already starting to happen. It's definitely true that post-Trump, Washington, it will be a target for, for a different kind of diplomacy. We'll see how that plays out. And amongst Europeans, there has also been an attempt to 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 woo as evidence with the CAI, the China Agreement, sorry, what is it? Comprehensive Agreement on Investment. Jeremy, why don't you go on? Our next prediction is that the West, by which we mean Europe and the United States, will experience a strong post-coronavirus uh, economic recovery or semi-post-coronavirus, I guess, uh, but that Russia, Africa, and Latin America will lag behind both in recovery and in controlling the virus. We see that uh, the West has a lot of pent-up demand, a lot, and it will have strong growth rates. Of course, won't get back to its pre-coronavirus level, but that it will have a strong bounce coming out of the coronavirus as the vaccine takes hold and as the virus ceases to be such a damper on economic activity. Our sixth prediction is that the push for European strategic autonomy is going to help reconstruct a much more balanced transatlantic relationship. Over the last couple of years, most of the debate about strategic autonomy or sovereignty has been about ways of pushing back against a rogue administration in Washington. But as Biden comes in, um, I think people are going to be much more worried about American weakness than about American bullying. And in a strange way, that will both lead to more focus on, on sovereignty so that Europeans can actually look after themselves, even if the US will be a, a less powerful ally and more distracted by competition in, with China and its domestic issues. But also, I think that the White House is much more worried about having a, a dependent Europe than an autonomous one. So that could actually put some wind in the sails of, uh, of debates about strategic autonomy. Our next prediction is that the EU, the US, and the UK all either join or apply to join 
the CTPPP, which is the Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Agreement that the U.S. originally negotiated under the Obama administration, but then pulled out of in the Trump administration. And this was at the time an effort to create a sort of alternative arrangement in the Asia-Pacific, an alternative trade arrangement to what China is doing with the CAI. Uh, not with the CAI, sorry, with the, what is that new acronym, Mark? It's the, the uh, Comprehensive Agreement. Oh, what the, sorry, the RCEP. RCEP, yeah, sorry. So there's so many acronyms in trade. In any case, the EU and the US and the U- this agreement continued without the United States. And we think that all three of these powers will be interested in participating in a plurilateral initiative, which puts pressure on China to adhere to standards and is hopefully going to lure China in and become a more de facto arrangement than the RCEP. And so they will all apply to join in, in part in reaction to the RCEP. Our next prediction is looking at Eastern Europe. One of the big stories of 2020 was about Lukashenko and the way that the Belarusian population was rising up against him. Unfortunately, we predict that he will stay in power in 2021, even if he ends up losing most of his autonomy to Russia, what is left of his autonomy. Our ninth prediction is that the U.S. and the U.K. failed to conclude a trade deal, which has been much mooted by the Boris Johnson government, but that they still nevertheless continue to assert that they have a special relationship. I think this will this is a uh, this latter part is a very sure prediction, as they've been asserting that against a lot of evidence for the last 20 years. The less special Uh, it becomes, the more it has to be asserted. Exactly. But they will I think they won't cut off the idea of a US-UK trade deal in 2021, but they will make very little, if any, progress on it. And frankly, Biden has been hinting quite strongly at this. Well, the UK is at the back of the queue, isn't it, obviously? So um, our 10th prediction is that COP26, the huge global climate jamboree, which will be taking place in the UK, produces lots of hot air, ironically, in the form of pious commitments to combat climate change, but fails to create any binding targets for carbon emissions or establish an international price of carbon. Our bonus prediction for this year, and in the bonus prediction, we try to be a sort of a a little bit more controversial and a little bit more out there, although I feel like we've done that pretty well in the first ones, actually, is that President Trump gets his Twitter account back, that eventually big tech is going to have to reach some sort of compromise with the right in the United States. And that means they're going to have to have a more formalistic process for this. And that President Trump will get back his favorite a social media network. We've tried in all of these predictions to be to allow ourselves the possibility to be wrong, to say things which are interesting and controversial, while at least still possible. And we'll hold ourselves to this accountability exercise next year. Of course, we'll do the grading. So it's not a full accountability exercise. But if you want to do the grading next year, we will consider that and you can definitely come on and tell us why we were wrong. And if you have any predictions of your own, please tweet them at us at ECFR or send them to me at mark.leonard at ecfr.eu and we will read out the most outlandish predictions at the end of our next podcast if there are some good ones. So that is that for 2021 i think we got one thing left to do on this podcast which is our bookshelf segment jeremy what's on your bookshelf at the moment i've been reading a novel by a college classmate of mine named uh, sumi han she wrote a really beautiful novel called the mermaid from jeju which is a sort of it's difficult to describe but it's actually a sort of almost 
a love story and a sort of that takes place amongst the, the little known but incredibly brutal revolt and oppression on the island of Jeju-do off the coast of Korea in 1948, which was a sort of precursor to the Korean War and in which the South Korean government and the United States both participated. Well, that sounds much more lyrical and beautiful than what I've been reading. I've been reading a, a much more technical book, but quite a useful one called Cyber War and Cyber Peace in the Middle East, Digital Conflict in the Cradle of Civilization. And, Mark, uh, I've begged you to get hobbies. Begged you. Anyway, it's quite an interesting survey of the ways in which some of the, the most bitter and deadly sectarian conflicts have been dragged into the into the information age. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please do let everyone you know, all your acquaintances, all your friends, all your family know about it as well, because this is a great one to start with if they want to know what they are going to have to put up with in 2021 they can uh, start to prepare because forewarned is forearmed with this it's an enormous opportunity here to pay absolutely no attention to the news for the whole year and just assume that we're right emerge from your hole at the end of the year exactly for so, you that opportunity so you could let uh, people know about it by writing out on your social media page or ours but if you have a bit of altruistic spirit left after the holiday season it would be great if you could also head down to the platform that you use to download it whether it's apple podcasts or soundcloud or whatever and give us a review and a rating that really helps bring other people to the podcast we'll put links up to our predictions for last year our predictions for this year and to all the publications that we mentioned on our website which is ecfr.eu slash podcasts but for now from jeremy shapiro and myself it's goodbye and a happy new year the researcher of this week's podcast is lucy halpenthal and our editor is marlene riedel <laughs>